Welcome to the Sea Trade Maritime Podcast for our latest episode of Maritime in Minutes. You're listening to Marcus Hand, editor of Sea Trade Maritime News, and Gary Howard, Europe editor of Sea Trade Maritime News. Maritime in Minutes is our monthly podcast where we pick out some of the most topical news stories from the world of maritime on Sea Trade Maritime News. And today we're covering April 2023. It's been a pretty busy month, actually, hasn't it? So let's get down to this. Uh, Gary, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, kicking off with a story I wrote up based on some analysis by John McCown and Blue Alpha Capital on sort of consolidating the container line results from the fourth quarter of 2022. Overall profit was down 33.9% across the major lines compared to the fourth quarter of 2021, and that's 41.1% lower than the third quarter of 2022. John's commentary here echoes what he said at CMA Shipping back in March, which was that spot rates were significantly lower and had been falling for a while by the time the Q4 results came out. But this was the first material decline in overall pricing, uh, which means that contract rates were kind of turning south, and that's the price that really matters most for you know the containers that are moving around the world. Something that did come as a surprise, though, in this story was McCown's take on container ship order book, which he expects will have a lesser impact on the industry than the headline TEU capacity figures would suggest, with the average vessel on order something like double the size of the average box ship in the fleet today, we're looking at a 15% increase in vessel numbers rather than the, the sort of 30% increase in TEU capacity. Vessel numbers are the main cost driver rather than capacity, and so the relatively lower increase in vessel numbers makes for a more manageable increase in the fleet according to John. Now, Marcus, over to you for a story of one particular fleet increasing in size. Yes, indeed. And um, it's becoming very large. Going back to the first week of April, I'm turning my attention to the world's largest container shipping line, Mediterranean Shipping Company, and it does just keep getting bigger. Analyst Alpha Liner said in its weekly report in the first week of April that over the previous few days, MSC had acquired an additional six second-hand container ships bringing its buying spree over the last few years to a massive 300 vessels. Those 300 second-hand vessels have added some 1.2 million TEU in capacity to MSC's fleet. Which, to put the buying spree into perspective, that figure alone would make it the world's eighth largest container line. As a whole, MSC now has a fleet of 743 vessels on the water, or it did in early April, he might have bought some more since then, and has a, had a fleet capacity of 4.84 million TEU. It has a further 127 new buildings on order, many of those extremely large, and they total 1.7 million TEU in capacity. It's already the world's largest container line, with an 18.2% share of global capacity, and if you look at its continued expansion, you could well see it hitting sort of 25% of global capacity in a few years' time. As MSC exits the 2M alliance with its rival Maersk, it's clearly giving up to have that scale to just go it alone on you know, a huge sort of global scale. Industry watchers, though, are concerned about where this leaves Maersk on the container shipping size as it throws its energies and its money into becoming an integrator with a far more conservative expansion plan mapped out for its container shipping fleet and similarly an ambition to go it alone. Yeah, so it's going to be 
Interesting to see that how that develops as that alliance pulls apart, which it seems to be doing quite rapidly, even though the end date is not till early 2025. Gary, perhaps you'd like to take us into week two. Yeah, just picking out a little study award as it ties into something that happened later in the month of April as well. The Global Centre for Maritime Decarbonisation awarded a study into the offloading of liquefied CO2 captured on board ships. And this was a bid to plug a knowledge gap around that. Lloyd's Register will lead the nine-month concept study to look at the risks around safely getting liquefied CO2 from ship to shore. And crucially, whether and how that can be carried out alongside cargo and bunkering operations. There currently aren't any guidelines for offloading captured carbon, so the study's results will feed into an end-to-end demonstration of shipboard carbon capture that GCMD wants to undertake. I do not care for the name of this project. (laughs) It's Project Remarkable, Realising Maritime Carbon Capture to Demonstrate the Ability to Lower Emissions. So all you have to do is misspell remarkable and then hack up most of those words. <laughs> but the the aim in the end is to carry out a 500-hour pilot, store 375 metric tons of liquid CO2 on board, and then offload it after 10 days sailing. A similar study for GCMD recently concluded that ammonia bunkering in Singapore would be low risk, and so a pilot study into bunkering ammonia within the port of Singapore takes another sort of step forward. Marcus, over to you. It must be said that acronym remarkable. When I read it, I actually just think of those electronic notepads you can get now, which are also called Remarkable. (laughs) Failure of two fronts. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Uh, Moving on, the second week of April saw what was certainly the biggest shock to happen in shipping, probably for the entire month, which was the collapse of the venerable maritime law firm Ince. With over 150 years of history, the UK-listed firm announced it would be entering administration. Although, actually, at the time of speaking, the administrator is still yet to be appointed, as they seem to be trying to find someone to buy the firm. The story throws up a whole host of questions, including when did you last hear of a law firm going bust, and what on earth went wrong? There is actually a sort of general belief in shipping that law firms were pretty much safe, because they make money in good markets, writing contracts, and they make money in bad markets, litigating for the litigation partners. But Ince is somewhat unusual as a law firm, because it was actually publicly listed as a result of a takeover in 2018 by UK firm Gordon Dads. The release of its audited accounts for the year ended 31st March 2022 had been repeatedly delayed, and it was still not completed at the time they announced it would be filing for administration. The failure to release audited accounts continued as its stock was suspended on the 3rd of January this year, and the firm said that the length of the auditing process had put pressure on its cash flows, and it had been in discussions with major lenders and other creditors. But finally, one major creditor had enough and said they would no longer support the business, and hence they said they'd have to file for administration. It is probably worth noting there have been signs that that not all was well with Ince for a number of years. There have been well-known partners leaving the business in prior to Gordon Dad's acquisition. And there were rumours of things being far from ship show, to be honest. But uh, that being said, it was still a real shock in the market to see Ince fail. And it does call into question the wisdom of a law firm being publicly listed. 
And as I mentioned earlier, it would seem a buyer is being sought for the distressed firm. So we'll see if it continues in some form in the future. If you're enjoying the Sea Trade Maritime podcast, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing on the app of your choice. Over to you. Yeah, I'll, I'll start week three with some better news. We start week three with the good news that the crew of tanker Success 9 um, had been found safe and well about five days after the ship was boarded by pirates and went dark. Tanker was captured on the 10th of April, about 300 miles off of the coast of Cote d'Ivoire, and all contact with the Singapore flag tanker was lost. But the 20 crew were found safe and in good health, and the ship has arrived at Abidjan port since. A pretty timely reminder of the ongoing threat of piracy, really. The International Maritime Bureau recently released figures showing that the first quarter of 2023 had the lowest reported number of piracy incidents for 30 years. I think 1993 was the last time that incidents were so low. And like I say, Success 9 is a reminder that there are still less safe zones out there for ships and that vigilance and preparedness are worthwhile things. Commenting on the incident, MPA advised that Singapore flag vessels implement the guidelines of vest management practice in the region and keep security assessments and plans under review, which seems pretty wise to me. Indeed. I think even though you do have those lower figures globally for piracy, West Africa in particular remains a, an area where you really do have to be careful because there are, you know, there continue to be these hijackings there and... Uh, if you read the accounts, they sound absolutely awful. I might move on to something. Well, it's another fairly positive story, and it relates, I guess, to communication. My pick for the third week of April is actually a follow-up from a story I'd done at the end of the previous week on Starlink. Now, for listeners who don't follow maritime communications, Starlink is the new Low Earth Orbit, or LEO, satellite communications service from a Elon Musk. SpaceX, and it's been causing a bit of a stir, really, in the industry. We'd run a story on Sea Trade Maritime News, rounding up some of the various public announcements by companies that they were either trialling or adopting Starlink's maritime service, which launched back in February. Posted a little piece on the story on my LinkedIn feed, and received quite a number of comments from contacts who'd been on vessels with Starlink on board, and they were extolling its virtues as a game-changer, in particular for crew welfare and internet usage. Given the response, we ran a little follow-up story in week three, giving the user experience of the Starlink service. It was interesting then attending the Sea Asia exhibition the following week. I'll be talking more about that in week four. Starlink was much in evidence on the show floor at that event, and one provider commented that Elon Musk's involvement basically just sucks all the oxygen out of the room, and there's so much sort of kind of excitement around that name. But there were also doubts expressed over using Starlink as a sole form of satellite communication for vessels. But it's certainly seen, these type of LEO constellations are certainly seen as a new part of the mix, complementing services such as VSAT and uh, 5G, which you're now getting in a growing number of port waters. Gary, over to you for the final week of the month. 
Yeah, I'll make this one quick as I know you had a, a busy fourth week of April. Ocean Network Express released its full year results for 2022 with a little presentation, but it did not include a forecast for 2023. Such are the changes happening in the container sector that one said in a quote, it is extremely difficult to announce a reasonable business forecast at this time and the full year forecast for financial year 2023 is yet to be determined. Now, personally, I don't recall seeing that in an earnings statement before. Marcus, you have a longer service and a better memory than me, so I don't know if perhaps you do. I'm not sure about better memory, but um, (laughs) (laughs) what I would say is I have seen it, but it's been where companies are in financial difficulties and they're at a point where their business might not exist in a year's time and they're, you know, so therefore making a forecast is extremely difficult. That is certainly not a position that one is in <laughs> yeah. if you look at its profitability. So uh, in this particular case, no, I can't think of it just purely due to market uh, reasons. Yeah, I just to add a little bit of context around that. Other container lines have forecast lower earnings and profit for 2023. Maersk's best case scenario is an 84% drop in its profit this year. And Blue Alpha Capital popping up again expects an 80% drop in profit across all of the major lines. But still, I think worthy of a note, the crystal ball was just too clouded for one to take a stab at it. Now, Marcus, it was a busy week in your town last week, wasn't it? Yeah, just a tad. The last week of April for myself and many others in maritime shipping was dominated by Singapore Maritime Week, or SMW as it's known. In its 17th year, I was a bit surprised to realise it had been going that long, SMW is easily characterised as simply being insanely busy. There are a huge number of events and the great and the good of the industry descend on the little red dot from around the world. It's rather hard to distill into a short segment of maritime in minutes. So I'm cheating and I've kind of recorded an entire separate episode, Singapore Maritime Week in Minutes. So look out for that in the coming days. But uh, just back to SMW, I previously mentioned the Sea Asia exhibition. This is organised by our colleagues at Informer Markets, along with the Singapore Maritime Foundation. And they were also the event organisers for the Maritime Port Authority's official conferences during the week. So shout out to our colleagues for some fantastic events and a huge amount of hard work. I will just pick out a couple of stories, which I'm not going to feature on the upcoming SMW in minutes episode. One of those was the signing on the opening day of the green and digital uh, corridor between Singapore and the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach. Singapore said it had been built on the success of a similar corridor it inked last year with the port of Rotterdam. And with those two agreements, that sees Singapore developing green maritime corridors along two key trade routes, Asia-Europe and the Trans-Pacific, and particularly important those in the container trades. The other story is one that seems to have captured the imaginations of our readers, and this is based really on our website stats. That is the official renaming of Keppel Offshore Marine and Semcorp Marine, the two big Singapore yard groups, as Cetrium, which took place on Thursday morning at the Sea Asia exhibition. The name, apparently a conglomeration of sea and atrium, does not, as one might expect, draw on the heritage of either yard group as Keppel Shipyard or Simbang Shipyard. But I guess as one of the world's largest offshore marine and ship repair groups, the name Cetrium is one we're going to become familiar with soon. A link to story on this will be in the show notes with some nice photos. Sticklers for dates might notice it was published on the 1st of May. 
which it was, unfortunately, as I was too busy all to write it on the day that it happened, which pretty much summed up Singapore Maritime Week. And with that, that brings us to the end of this episode of Maritime Minutes. Thank you all for listening. If you want to know more about all of the stories mentioned in this podcast, the links are in the show notes, or just head over to ctrade-maritime.com to read these and all the latest maritime news. That's all we've got time for. Thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe on the app of your choice to never miss an episode. And until the next episode, with myself and Gary, stay safe. <laughs>